Man, what an incredibly moving song to sing and to say. You know, the original version of that song was written out of great tragedy, was written after a time of loss and grief. And so to sing that and to say, it is well, sometimes we say it not because our circumstances are actually well, but we say it and we sing it in faith because things aren't well, but because we know in Christ, God is working all things together through it all. You know, in that phrase, through it all, that all <laughs> encompasses it all, everything. You know, we've been in a season now as literally as a world for several months where we, I think we could pretty much say, at least a lot of us in our lifetimes, man, this is <laughs> through it all, through everything, through a worldwide pandemic. And then even just things going on in our country that so often we look at it and we get so discouraged, we get so depressed by the racism that we see, the hatred that we see, the, the lack of love that we see. And so sometimes this song, we have to sing it in faith to say it's not well, but we're believing in Christ it is well. So I don't know the circumstances that you've gone through today or what you've gone through in the last week or the last month and where you're at emotionally at this point in time. But if a guy can write a song like that after experiencing loss, I think we can sing it and we can say it. And so before we jump into the sermon today, I'm just gonna take a moment to pray and in the spirit of the moment of that song to say through it all, no matter what that all is, through it all, it's well. So would you pray with me? Father, um, like I said, when we, when we think about all that has gone on, that is currently going on, um, it's so easy to be so grieved and depressed to the point of being despondent and anxious and fearful. But God, give us eyes to see beyond what we see. Because if you can turn the greatest tragedy in human history where the Son of God died into the greatest triumph of human history where the Son of God came back to life, then we can sing in faith through it all. We can sing in faith no matter what the circumstances that are going on in our world, in our city, in our community, in our own homes, in our families, in our hearts. And so God, I pray that today you would, through your word, speak to us, encourage us by the power of your spirit, through the preaching of your word. God, it's, it's amazing how the word and the spirit work together because your word is alive. What makes it alive is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God, I pray that you would open our eyes today, open our ears today. You would speak to us and you would say to us, it's well. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us. And we pray as we open your word now that not only would I honor you in the preaching of it, but we would glorify you in not only hearing it, but then living it out. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, that whole, that whole worship set was just incredible. Um, I mean, from graves into gardens at the beginning, man, Swift killed that song, bro. I mean, that was, that was ridiculous. Like he has now forever ruined that song in the best of ways. It was already incredible. Um, the guy, one of the guys who originally wrote that, Brandon Lake, uh, just an incredible worship leader. And I mean, he gets down on that song. And oh, Swift, dude, you, I mean, you got down on it, bro. I mean, you were dancing in ways that 
I mean, I'm not even going to attempt to try to dance. And um, man, we just have such incredible musicians and worship leaders. And God, John, you did incredible uh, leading. And how great was that? That we go from graze in the garden to living hope. And, and that's how that happens. And then actually, God, you just killed that, that last song. And that's what I love about really everybody in our production team, our worship team, our creative team. Not only are they super talented, not only are they, I mean, just ridiculously gifted at the, you know, the, the arts that they are, you know, particularly great at, but they all just love Jesus. And, and I love that, that not only are they skilled, but they are spirit led and it comes across in the worship. I mean, it comes across in the expression of that. And so, man, I know you're at home, but even at your house, can we just give it up for our incredible production teams, our worship teams, all of our people that have been leading us uh, every week now for, gosh, over two months coming to you in your house. And uh, I hope you are standing and singing with us when we sing, if you can physically uh, sing. And uh, we're going to get into the word now. But again, all that is coming to you through the incredible skill and talent of all of our amazing not only staff, but incredible team members that make this happen. Speaking of another person that was incredible, Pastor David did a great job last week. Let's give it up for Pastor David. Uh, in fact, not even clapping, but I mean, you can clap, but you can put it in the comments as well. Shout out to all of our artists. Shout out to Pastor David, who did an incredible job last week, getting us into chapter 15 of Romans, uh, verses one through seven. And it just worked out perfectly for Pastor David to preach that because I think he lives that out personally better than any other human being I have met. Uh, the whole bear with in order to build up. Now his wife may feel a little bit differently about that aspect, but no, she doesn't. She loves him. She's amazing. But David really does live that out, that, that text of bearing with one another to build each other up. And we're going to build on what he talked about last week. And we're going to be in verses 8 through 13. And so Romans 15 Verses 8 through 13, again, just kind of pick up where Pastor David left off last week. And for everybody that is maybe not just watching this at home, but you're actually having a watch party in your house, shout out to you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, our groups are starting to do that. We are now technically in phase three. I hope you've had a chance to look at our phase reopening plan. We put that out at the beginning of this month and just kind of talking through how we're going to begin the process of reopening then we did an update this week. I hope you got a chance to log on to watch that. If you didn't, that is on our website. Uh, we just kind of go through our thought process and kind of where we're at as a church. And so now we have officially moved in to phase three. And one of the biggest differences in phase three from before is we want to encourage you to have watch parties in your homes. Now, again, that's best done through groups. And there's a large majority of people in our church that are in groups. And so there's already groups that have started this, and again, a lot of groups are even doing that today, but maybe you're not in a group yet, and this is a best way to get into a group or even start having relationships with people in our church. And so if you know people in our church and y'all want to do watch parties together on Sundays, that's incredible. But we also want you to invite neighbors and friends and family that maybe don't go to our church, but they would come to your house and you could feed them something great, and you can have watch parties together on Sundays as we continue online. And again, we'll communicate to you more and more as we don't know exactly how long we're gonna be in this phase three until we get into phase four. We're working hard to get all those details done. But here's the cool thing, and we've said this before, that even though our facilities, our buildings are closed, the church is not. And the church has continued to function. In some ways, I'm really, really praying that God would continue to teach us how to take the gospel in unique ways further maybe than we could have if we were gathering together in large groups. And I think watch parties are a great way to do that. It's very strategic for you to invite people around you in your neighborhoods or in your homes or maybe people that you work with or friends and family that you have to come. You can do it on Facebook. You can do a watch party on Facebook or now you can actually do it in person. So shout out to all of you that are doing that. And that if you're not doing that, and if we can help you with any way, in any way with doing that, please let us know because we want you to begin doing that now during phase three. All right, let's jump into Romans chapter 15, verses eight through 13. I'm ready to preach, man. Come on. Verse eight and nine. I'm going to read that first, and then we're going to stop and chat about it. It says this, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's 
truthfulness. In order, that's a big word, he's gonna say it twice, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarch. So that's the first in order. Then verse nine, he says, and. All right, everybody say and, all right? Talk back to me, be nice, all right, talk back to your screen. Everybody say and, all right? Conjunction, junction, what y'all? Function, you know I love conjunctions, all right? And I love to highlight them, one, because they don't get a lot of love a lot of times, but they're huge. And this conjunction here, this word, and is setting us up for the second in order that Paul is saying that, Christ, that God is doing in Christ. The first one is in order to confirm the promises, verse nine, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So everything that we've been talking about in the book of Romans about how we're saved and now the effect of the gospel. So again, remember chapters one through 11 is what does it mean to be saved? And now chapters 12 through 16 is what do we live out of that? And one of the effects of the gospel that Paul is saying here is there's two in orders. The first of Christ being a servant, and this is exactly what Pastor Dave was talking about last week, that Christ is our example and he's also our savior. And so what Christ did accomplished two things or two in orders. The first one, he says, was in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Now, the word there, patriarchs, I mean, you can think parents, all right, but it's, it's a family line, it's a history, and it's going all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, Father Abraham, all right? Again, you may have known that song growing up, Father Abraham had many sons, I am one of them, and we did this weird Christian thing in VBS. If you didn't do it, you didn't miss out on anything. If you did, you're weird, all right? And so, but the promise that God gave Abraham and then his family line after that was that God was gonna reconcile that through their family, he was gonna bless them and then they were going to be a blessing to the world. And so through their family line, the savior was gonna come. So when Christ came, he fulfilled the promise to the patriarchs. That's the first in order. Then he says, the second one is in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Now, if you don't think biblically, and what I mean by that is understanding biblical terms, the Bible categorizes people from a sense of, they're in the Old Testament, again, this lineage, these patriarchs, is what we would now call the Jewish people or the Hebrew people or the tribes of Israel. And again, Israel, before it was a country, it was a person, and the 12 tribes were 12 sons. And so the people of God in the Old Testament were the Jewish people. That's the first in order there. Then through the Jewish people, because Jesus was Jewish, this grace or the mercy of God was going to come through them, but it was always intended to go not just for them, just through them to the rest of the world. And then that is what the Bible calls Gentiles. And so Gentiles is just another way to think about nations or people groups. It's just non-Jewish people. And so here's what I love about God, and this is why I highlighted the word and, and I wanted you to say the word and with me, because God's mercy is so big, it can't be limited to one nation. God's mercy is so great, it can't be limited to one people group or one family or one type of person. God's mercy and grace is so great that it is for all nations, not just Jewish people, it was just simply coming through the Jewish people, but to all people. So in Christ, God accomplished two things. The promise he made to the patriarchs and everything that the Old Testament was pointing to to say that that promise was coming to them, but not just for them. It was for all people. Or biblically, we would say Gentiles. And here's what's amazing to me. We talked about this weeks ago, if you were here. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today's Pentecost Sunday. It means 50th, it's 50 days or the 50th day after Passover. And at Pentecost was the time when the Jewish people would come back to Jerusalem, offer their first fruits. And if you read your Bible in Acts 1 and 2, and again, we reference this on Easter and other times during our We Believe series, at Pentecost, 
The Bible says that God fulfilled the promises. The Bible says that at Pentecost, when all these nations, all these other people were in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit came down, and the Bible says that the, the, the word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, grace went to all peoples, and at that day, 3,000 people trusted Christ, and the church was born, and then from that point, the gospel has been going out to all nations. So here we are. Now in 2020, on Pentecost Sunday, reading out of Romans chapter 15, verse 8 and 9, what Pentecost is all about. Now, I couldn't have planned this any better. It's almost like there's a God. I like to say that. That's a joke. There is a God, all right? What you see here in verse 8 and 9 is what Pentecost was all about. Pentecost was all about God verifying. He says, showing his truthfulness saying everything that I've said in the Old Testament is happening. And Paul's looking back on this moment because now he's now looking back at that time because Paul wasn't even a believer at Pentecost. That's what's crazy. Paul was persecuting those people at Pentecost who were trusting in Christ because they heard the miracle of the speaking of tongues in their language. They heard the gospel, the good news in their language. And so God fulfilled his promise of reversing the curse that what happened in Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel, when God spread out all the nations in Pentecost, God brought them all back. So here's what Paul is saying. The whole reason why Christ became a servant. Again, this is what Pastor Dave was talking about last week. The whole reason why that happened was for God to show he wasn't lying. Christ fulfilled the promises, and the promises was to the Jewish people that through them, grace would go to all people. And it happened. So another place in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, I've got it on the screen, you don't have to turn there. Paul says this, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. For all the promises of God find their yes. Everybody say yes. God's a yes God, all right? He's an and God. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. Paul says that is why it is through him we utter our amen to God for his glory. So if you read through the Old Testament and you see all the promises that God made, Paul's saying, listen, in Christ, he fulfilled them. In Christ, it's yes. All the promises that God made, Christ came and fulfilled them. And now, because of Christ, all those promises come to us. There are now, yes. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, and, and even my kids now, and kids that you're watching here today, you might understand this. When you ask your parents, can you do something? There's the, you know, the answer you want is yes. The answer you don't want is no. But the answer that you get most often, come on, parents, is what? Maybe. You get maybe quite often. And as parents, we're saying maybe. Let's be honest, parents. We've already done Mother's Day. We'll do Father's Day here in a little while, so don't lie. We say maybe because we know more than likely we're going to say no. More than likely we're going to say no, but maybe in that moment we don't want to get into it, so we're just going to say maybe. But to a kid, you're like, maybe? Oh, that, that probably means yes. And here's what I want you to see. God's not a maybe God. God's a yes God. All the promises that God made, he said yes in Christ. And that's why Paul says, now through him, who's him? Jesus, we utter our amen. And what is amen? Amen is just a biblical word that means that's true. Indeed, yes. So God said yes in Christ. Now we respond Amen. Yes, that's true. Now, who's the we? We know who the him is. Who's the we? Who is the we that utters the amen? Here's what I want you to see. The we is not a special group of people. The we is not a select group of people. The we is not just the religious people or the Jewish people or the American people, or the white people, or the black people, or the rich people, or the poor people. The we is all people. The we is everybody. 
And that's the mystery of the gospel, Paul says, that through the Jewish people, God was reconciling to himself all people. And that's what Pentecost Sunday is about. Now think about this. What an incredible message. What an incredible, we'll see if it's an incredible message. I don't know yet. We still got about 13, 15 minutes. We'll see. Jury's out on that one. But what an incredible word. What incredible scripture for us right now in this season. Because there's a lot of divisiveness going on in our country and in our world. We all like to categorize people. Rich people, poor people, white people, black people, Republican people, Democratic people, American people, non-American people. We have all these categories. And the reason why we like to put people in categories is then we know what to do with them once we put them in our category. But here's what I want you to understand biblically. There's only two groups of people, dead people and alive people. People that say yes and people that say no. But those that say yes to Christ, what I want you to see is you don't have to measure up to some certain standard. You don't have to come from a certain family. You don't have to come from a certain heritage. You don't have to be a religious person. You don't have to grow up in a certain household or meet a certain standard or hit a certain law. Why? Because Christ answered that yes. Christ is the one who fulfilled all the promises of the Old Testament. There's so many, I don't even have time to get into them. And so today, what I'm saying to you is this, because of Pentecost, because the Holy Spirit came down, drew all people to himself, now today you can say amen to God's yes to you. But so many times what happens is we say, well, no, 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 I hear you, Pastor, but there's no way. There's no way I could be a part of that those, I can't be a part of the we. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my history. You don't know my background. You know, am I welcome? Am I welcome to the church? Well, this is one of the great times of the season we're in, man. I mean, all you got to do is log on. Yeah, you're welcome. But the reason why you're welcome is because the only requirement to being a part of this we is saying amen to God's yes. Saying amen to who Jesus is. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. Because God again and again and again has confirmed that this was always his plan to bring you into his family. How do we know that? Go back to the scriptures. Look at verse 9 through 12. I'm just going to read all these, and then I'm going to break it down, and I'm probably going to get really excited. I just want you to know that, all right? Verse 9, where does Paul get this? Verse 8 and 9, where he says he's, he's bringing all people to himself. Where does he get this? Well, he gets this like any good theologian would get it from the scriptures, from the Old Testament. Again, this is one of my pet peeves of like the Old Testament is new, you know, different from the New Testament. No, everything that was hidden in the old is revealed in the new. And if you want to understand the new, you need to understand the old. They fit together. So Paul got his theology from the Old Testament. How do I know this? He's going to quote the Old Testament four times. Look at this. Verse nine, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Verse 10, and again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Verse 11, and again. You see why I got excited about the word and earlier? All right, I'm gonna get excited again. Maybe you wanna read it with me. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. Verse 12, come on. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. And I could go on and on and on. I mean, there's scripture after scripture after scripture that we could say, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Come on, I should have a beat right now. Where's Chris? I need my drummer, all right? And again, and again. All throughout the Old Testament, the Bible was saying, God was saying, here's my plan. My plan is to fulfill what I said way back in Genesis 3.15, that the seed of the woman was going to come and crush the head of the serpent who led you to sin. 
I'm going to do away with that, and I'm going to cover your sin. And he covered it in Christ. So when Jesus showed up, everybody was confused because they thought he was just going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And Jesus says, no, it's way bigger than that. It's way bigger than one country, one group of people, one geological place. It is just going from here, but it's not just for here. All through the Old Testament, again and again and again and again and again. Why is that important? Because so many of us, we don't say yes to God's yes. We don't say amen because we have a different mentality when it comes to these words and again and again. And here's what happens to a lot of us. It happens to me. You struggle with sin. You have battles with your flesh, the Bible calls it. And you make a mistake. And you feel bad for it. And you say to yourself, never again. And then you rock on for a little while. Your flesh takes back over. And you step into that sin again. And it becomes this cycle where you're like, man, I did it again. I mean, honestly, this is, well, I have to be careful a lot of times watching news or, gosh, social media, because we just see something, we're like, again? That happened again? Again? And, it, and it's so depressing, right? I mean, it makes us despondent because we're like, again? Man, I mean, that, that, like to, that like to did me in the last time, and we're here again? This happened again? I thought we were past this as a humanity. I thought we were past hatred. I thought we were past racism. Again? I mean, how many conversations have you had with your spouse, and you were like, you need to change this, and you're like, I'm going to change this, and then they don't, and you're like, Again? I mean, come on, those of you who are parents, is, is this not the mentality a lot of times with our kids? We're like, again? <laughs> I just told you to clean that and you didn't clean that and I walk in here and again? What's wrong with you? This is where parents, where we have to be gracious because you're like, you did that again? There's been so many times where I've said that to my kids again and God's like, Again? Yeah, bro, watch your tone. But, but you see what I'm saying here? The reason why, the reason why a lot of us don't utter amen, the reason why a lot of us come to Christ is because we have this, this like, we carry this burden. We have this thing. And what's interesting is to even watch secular psychologists try to describe it. But the only word that fits it is sin. You may call it a character flaw. You may call it, you know, a problem. It's sin. And what happens is sin weighs on us. I mean, just look at the Old Testament. This is why when you read the Bible, be careful who your heroes are. There's only one hero in the scriptures, and his name is Jesus. Do not read the scriptures and read the story of David, or read the story of Samuel, or read the story of Abraham, and be like, I want to be like them. Really? You want to be like David? Be careful. You want to be like Samuel? You want to be like all of them? Had moments, and you see this. You see God's anger with them. He calls them stiff-necked people. I mean, he takes them out of Egypt. They were in Egypt for 400 years. In slavery for 400 years, he frees them. And then they are going to the promised land and God just takes them down south to the wilderness. They're only supposed to be there for 40 days and all they want to do is go back to the slavery. Why? Because it's much easier to free us from Egypt than it is to free Egypt from us. It's much harder to get what's in us out than to get us out of what we're in. And see, so often we come to God and we say, God, get me out of this circumstance. I mean, how many times have you prayed that? God, if you get me out of this circumstance, I'll give you my life. 
If you get me out of this circumstance, I'll never do that again. I remember, I remember playing baseball when I was growing up. God, if you let me hit a home run today, I'll follow you. I hit one and I'm following him. But how many times have you like, God, if you get me out of this, and, and he gets you out of this, but the problem is, it wasn't that you were in that, it's that that is in you. And what happens to us is again and again and again and again, it just weighs on us. We see the evil in the world, and we're like, again? And if we're not careful, the evil in the world will only activate the evil that's in our heart because we lose hope. And here's what I want to say to you. For every time that you're despondent or in despair or depressed about, man, again, hear the scriptures. Hear God speak to you through the scriptures and hear God say a different again. Again. You failed on that? Again, I'm with you. You messed up on that? And again, I'll forgive you. And again, and again, and again. That's what Paul's saying. And again, and again, and again. I mean, just read your Old Testament again. This is why it bugs me. People like God in the Old Testament was this angry God. Have you read the Old Testament? I mean, just in Exodus, I think it's Exodus 24 or 32, I can't remember. But there's it's several places in the Old Testament where God says he's loving, he's very patient, he doesn't want people to perish, and he says he will punish the iniquities of the fathers onto their children to the third and fourth generation. And people highlight that, but they miss what he said right before that where he says, but my steadfast love endures to a thousand generations. Don't, don't misunderstand. Yes, there are consequences for when we say again to our flesh, I'll say yes to you. Yes, there are consequences when we say yes to our flesh. I'm not minimizing that. But simply because we say yes to our flesh doesn't cancel out the fact that in Christ, God said yes to us through grace. His love, his graciousness, his mercy Paul says, extends to all nations. That's how great it is. I mean, there's over 7 billion people on the planet today, and God is gracious with every one of them whenever they sin, and again and again and again, and God says again and again and again, it's yes. I'm still saying yes to you, because in Christ, all the promises of God are a yes. Now, think about that. One of my greatest fears, and I've said this over the years, one of my greatest fears is that eventually in the future, God's one day going to say enough. He's going to say no. Or worse yet, he's going to say maybe. He's going to say, not this time, Jason. You went too far. You sinned too much. In Christ, it's yes. Now, don't, miss, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that's a license to sin. If you think Christ has a license to sin, you don't understand what he did. What I am saying is this. There is no sin that you can commit that will lead God to say no to you if you are in Christ. Because his sacrifice was once and for all. Not only for all people, but for all of the times where you again and again and again and again said yes to your flesh. Here's what I want you to see. God says yes again and again and again. There's so much mercy that there's already mercy waiting on you for tomorrow. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. They're already waiting for you. But here's what happens when we follow God, because again, we don't think biblically about who God is. And I'm going to get into verse 13 in just a second. We're going to wrap this up. But we don't think biblically about who God is. And we think that when we get to tomorrow, there won't be any grace. There won't be any mercy. It's like I remember being on vacation a few years ago. We went to this restaurant at the beach and we walked up and they had a big sign outside that said free beer tomorrow. My first thought was, oh, sweet. Let's come back tomorrow. 
But then you go back tomorrow, and what does the sign still say? Free beer tomorrow. And then you keep going back every day, and it's always tomorrow. It's never today. And a lot of us, that's how we think God is. That we're going to get to tomorrow, and there's no grace for that day. He's going to push it to tomorrow to see how we live that day. And if we get it right that day, then maybe tomorrow there will be free grace. Listen, God doesn't say free grace tomorrow and not fulfill it. God says, yes, there is free grace tomorrow. Why? Christ. Yes. So when you get to tomorrow, there's already grace for whatever you said yes to in your flesh. Now, why is this so important? Why is this the message that we need? Because only in the gospel, only in God saying yes to us in Christ, does it bring down our hostilities between one another. This is what Paul was saying last week that Pastor David was getting into. Christ, yes, is our Savior, and he's our example. See, I can't live at peace with my brother and sister around me. I can't bear with them to build them up if I don't believe that Christ is also doing the same for me. That's the key. I love how Paul says, and I don't have it on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you in Ephesians 2, verse 14. He says, for he himself, Christ, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Is there some dividing walls of hostility in our culture today? Yeah, there is. There's political walls. There's racial walls, socioeconomic walls, all kinds of walls that we construct. And we all want to divide them down because we all know inherently that they're wrong. But it only can come down if we say yes to Christ. Because if we don't say yes, we don't say amen, then the only way I can build myself up is if I tear you down. See, I can give myself to building you up if I know that Christ is going to build me up. If I know Christ is going to build me up, if I know there's free grace for me tomorrow, I'm going to give grace to you today. If I know that God is yes to me and again and again and again and again and again and again and again, as many times I can just say this whole sermon just again and again and again and again and we'll say amen, all right? I mean, that, that many times. That's the title of the message. And again, and again, and again, and again, God will say yes to you in Christ. But if you don't believe that, then you will define your life by dividing yourself from other people. Oh, I'm not like him, or I'm not like them. Why is it that anytime somebody criticizes us, our first response is to criticize back? is to blame back. But I'll listen to criticisms if I'm in Christ. Or at least I should, because I know. He said yes to me. If Christ said yes to me, I'm not despondent if you say no to me. If Christ said yes to me, <laughs> this is why I used to, when I was a student pastor, I used to joke, and it's not funny, but I was trying to be funny. If you're a teenage kid and some boy or some girl said no to you and your world falls apart, the solution is not some other sweaty boy to say yes to you. That's, what, that's what's funny. Like you're literally, ladies, you're looking for a sweaty teenage man child to say yes to you to feel whole inside? And don't act like they grow up and become refined. They're still 40-year-old man children who now probably act worse than they did when they were 16. Because when you live together for 20 years, you're like, if I would have known that you were going to do that, I probably wouldn't have said yes. Am I right, ladies? Come on. Men too, right? You're like, oh, girls do that? <laughs> I didn't know girls did that. They never did that around me. I didn't know y'all did that. I don't have to break that down. You know I'm somehow. All right. But, but you see what I'm getting at? If you live for someone else to say yes to you, you'll never have peace. But if you'll live out of the reality that God said yes to you, 
in Christ, then you'll have peace. And you can be a person of peace that we talked about a few weeks ago. So the problem in our country, yes, manifests itself in racism and hatred and political divides. Yes, those are fruits of it. But the root of it is everybody living out of a deficiency of their creator saying yes to them. Man, if we all lived, loved, knowing that God said yes to us, and that he'll keep saying yes to us again and again and again and again, man, I can build you up all day long because I'm being built up. Now, let's go to verse 13, man. I'm gonna preach. That's just the intro. Not really. I know we gotta go. But look at verse 13. This is why Paul ends with this in this section. May the God of hope. You know, you wanna know who God is? He's a God of hope. A.W. Tozer says, the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. That's the most important thing about you. And, and here's what Paul's saying, and he's trying to prove it through his quoting of the Old Testament. And he strategically picks the quotations, one from the laws, one from the prophets, one from the writings, and he summarizes the, all the Old Testament with these words. And again, and again, and again, and again, God said this. And again, and again, and again, and again, in Christ, God was saying yes. Why? Because he's the God of hope. And there's so many of us today, because again, and again, and again, and again, we get weighed down. But your God is a God of hope. And what is he going to do? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that, that's a preposition of purpose, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The God of hope wants you to abound in hope. That's why he said, yes, in Christ. He didn't want you to wait, be weighed down for all eternity by the power of your flesh. So he said, yes, in Christ. The God of hope wants to fill you with joy and peace so that you may abound in hope. But how does that happen? And here's what you need to know. Here's the, here's, you say, okay, pastor, I hear you. How? How? How do I get to that Amen. Two things I want to point out here. He says, in believing and by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word they're in, the word they're by, you know, I like prepositions. They are both prepositions of means. What that means is how it happens is in believing by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's put those two together. You have to believe there is a God. You have to believe he's a God of hope. You have to believe he'll say yes to you in Christ. It's in believing. That's how it comes. But you will never believe unless it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Unless God overcomes your resistance to him by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it is, is it the Holy Spirit that's doing it? Or is it you saying yes? Yes, but it's by the Holy Spirit that enables you to say, I believe. And that is why you can have hope. Because God is not asking you to have the power to do it. He is saying by the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll enable you to say, I believe. Through it all, that it's well. I mean, if you look around the circumstances of our country today, our world today, you're like, I don't, I don't know if I can believe. If you look at your own, if you were honest, you were emotionally honest with yourself, and you're like, yeah, again, again, and again, and again, you don't know what I've done. But God does. And I didn't say, I didn't write this, God did. 
He said, everything I promised in the Old Testament, it is now yes to you in Christ. So if you'll believe in Christ, and today by the power of the Holy Spirit, he has opened your eyes to see your need for Christ, God is saying yes. And he'll say yes to you again and again and again and again and again and again until you meet him. And he'll say it one final time, yes. Welcome in. So man, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know how you're despondent because of what you see going on around you, or you're despondent because of what you see going on in you. And you're at that place where you're like, I can't, we're here again. Don't give up hope because the God of hope wants you to abound in hope if you'll believe in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Christ. We're responsible for the condition of the world. God, when we look around the world today and we see hatred and we see evil and we see racism and we see in our own hearts all those things, we're responsible. The wrong thing to do is to blame you for it. It is not your fault. It is ours. But the most amazing thing about you is you made it your problem. Even though it wasn't your fault, you made it your problem. And you solved it. In Christ. When sin first entered the world. And the effect of that sin in Genesis chapter 3 led to a brother killing a brother. You said that the blood of Christ speaks louder than the blood of Abel. And what that means is your yes was greater than our yes to our flesh. The blood of Christ speaks a greater word, a greater yes by covering all our sin. So Father, I pray for anybody that's listening or watching right now that is realizing maybe for the first time that they've got a problem. They have sin. That's, that's what it is. They have a flesh. They have a heart of stone. They're dead. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're opening their eyes to see that they need to be made alive. You want to make them alive because Christ has paid the price for them. And today you'll say yes to them if they'll say yes to Christ. And they can utter their amen now through him. Nobody looking around or talking here as we close, if you've never trusted Christ, and maybe you haven't because you think there's no way that God would give you grace today or tomorrow, because again and again and again and again and again and again, you sinned. Hear the word of God saying to you today, again and again and again and again and again. I'll say yes to you in Christ. I'll never get tired of saying yes to you if you'll say yes to Christ. I'll forgive every sin, past, present, and future. So today, you want to say yes to Christ, you can pray with me. And it goes like this. You can say, Father, thank you for loving me, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, into this world to solve my problem. And he died in my place, and he rose again to purchase your promise for me. Which is that your love would extend to me. So today, I ask you to save me. Forgive me. Give me life in Christ. 
I'm trusting in Christ alone to save me. And if you made that decision today, again, we want to know about it. Today, you are now a new creation, and God will say yes to you forever because you're now in Christ. And then there's some of us today that maybe you're in the first group of how I was kind of explaining it, that you just feel like because of your sin and again and again and again and again and again that God no longer loves you. I want you to understand today when God said yes, it's not maybe. It's yes. And the beauty of the gospel is in the midst of your sin. In the midst of your sin, you turn to Christ and you say amen. Not when you get it all together. Not when you watch four church services on a Sunday. But when you just turn to Christ and you say amen, it's yes. It doesn't mean you need to get saved again. It just means you need to apply the salvation to your situation again. And hear God say, when I said yes to you, it was forever. Yes, I forgive you. Yes. Again and again and again and again to a thousand generations. And then there's some of us here, it's not so much about sin maybe and, and, and just between you and God, it's about sin and how you treat other people. Maybe it is the sin of racism or the sin of hatred, the sin of bitterness towards others, the sin of not bearing with and building up. And the reason why you haven't said yes to that is because you're not confident in the fact that God said yes to you. And today I want you to hear me say, you show how confident you are that God has said yes to you by you saying yes to others and bearing with them. And newsflash, God's gonna ask you to bear with people that don't look like you. God's gonna ask you to bear with people that are from a different race than you. God's gonna ask you to bear with people from a different socioeconomic class than you, a different nation than you, a different family than you, maybe even a different religion than you. And you say, I don't know if I can do that again and again and again. Yes, you can in Christ because God will give you free grace to do it tomorrow. Father, I pray. I'm so burdened by not just the reality of a global pandemic that we're in, from a virus, but the global pandemic that we're in from another enemy that we can't see called sin and the supernatural forces behind it that cause us to say yes to our flesh, that lead us to kill our brothers and sisters, maybe not physically, but with our words. God, I pray that your gospel, your good news would break through because the solution is Christ. The solution is understanding the and. That you're bringing things together. That the gospel breaks down the dividing walls of hostility in ourself and in our neighborhoods. So God, I pray that we would understand how you have said yes to us in Christ. We would understand how you have said yes. And you will say yes again and again and again and again because we can't out your grace. But from that place, God, may we extend grace. May we say yes again and again and again and again to those that annoy us, 
to those that are not like us, to those that have wronged us. Because hate doesn't drive out hate. Only love does. Darkness doesn't drive out darkness. Only light does. One of your greatest preachers that ever lived said that. And he got it straight from the Bible. So God, may it start in the church. And while we have these opportunities to do watch parties and live on mission, may the church be sent out with that message. Because that's what the world needs. They need Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.